The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Into the ball game, Zach Terrell, quarterback throws a pick six. BJ Lowry's second of the day. Well, they're doing everything in doubles. They got two returns from Mark Manley and two pick sixes from B.J. Lowry. Iowa continues on defensively, John. But yeah, just a great play by B.J. Lowry, finishing up his second pick six of the day. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes. Mike, we have the second of our two weekly reporters notebook segments in this podcast. The show features Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' Big Ten Conference opener at Minnesota in the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Minnesota is Jerry Kill. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinot and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and Susan Dank's Reporter's Notebook podcast. The Iowa Western Michigan game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network, with announcers Wayne Larravee and John Jansen. A terrific job calling this one. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz was asked about the old-school nature of the upcoming game with Minnesota and the test it poses for his Hawkeyes. Yeah, that's probably a fair, fair way to describe it. They're, they're really a physical football team, similar to last year, but they're a little bit different, obviously, at the quarterback situation now. And then, yeah, they are running the ball really well. And it, it's uh, it's amazing in some ways because they're starting quarterback, at least the guy they started the season with, then play the last game and a half. And uh, their best running back, a guy that we had a lot of respect for a year ago. Hasn't really played much either. They got two other guys that have stepped up and done a great job. So they're uh, they're they're playing really well. They're playing well on defense too. So it should be should be interesting that way. We're, we're gaining ground, but yeah, this will be a big test for us. Uh, they're big and physical offensively. I think they're over three town average, and you know we're hardly that kind of size. So it's uh, it's going to be a real test for us. Ferentz was asked to assess his team's development through the non-conference season. It, it's week to week. You know, it's week to week, and you know you never know what the Big Ten's going to be like either. You know, that's that's something I try to emphasize to our team in August, you know, the way things look in August or July or June. You know, when everybody's prognosticating and guessing, you know, you just never know what it's going to look like when you get to September, October, November. So it's all week to week. And, uh, you know, I just know this. Minnesota looks like they have a really good football team. They've been playing well all, all four of their games and they've got some real strengths. Kirk was asked about the tenure on the Gophers coaching staff and how that impacts the Minnesota team. To me, it's a little bit like uh, when Randy Walker went to Northwestern, you know, pretty much his staff went with him. Yeah. And when I came here, our staff came from nine different places. So uh, I think it makes the transition and, and the just the whole transition a lot faster and smoother. You know, there's some real advantages to that. And, uh, you know, we didn't have that luxury. We came here 15 years ago, 
doing. Uh, but he certainly has, and the, and the other most important part about it is that they've been successful everywhere they've been. Every, every stop they've made, they've been well coached, and uh, you know you can see that in their football team right now. And you know the record's the same as last year, but they're a much different team. They're they're much better. Ference was asked if he thinks the Big Ten Legends division looks pretty wide open now compared to what some might have thought earlier. Yeah, I'd agree, and, and then I'd, I'd take it a step further. Yeah, that's what it looks like right now. But you know things are going to look different in November. So the, the key is to take care of business week to week, and you know it's just it's so early to try to predict. So you know you just that's, that's the thing about college football. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Just every game is so important, you know, because you only get 12 cracks. And now certainly being in conference play slash divisional play that amps it up even more. But uh, you know every game really is important on your resume. Unlike some other sports, it's just it's the nature of the beast. And when you only play 12. And Ferens was quizzed about the progress of his special teams play and how the new coaching approach has changed. Yeah, I think we're moving forward, and that was one of the good things about Saturday beyond the, the returns. That was, you know, that's obvious, that part, but the uh, best part about the returns, you know, Cavante's effort, effort was good, but the best part to me was that the uh, 10 guys away from the ball were doing a good job. And then there were a lot of things, I think, subtly that took place uh, on special teams that were encouraging. We're not there yet, but at least we're, I think, starting to make some strides, and, and uh, that was a concern a couple weeks ago, Real, a big concern. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a different yeah, different approach, different, it's, it's kind of like offense and defense for the most part. I try to let the, the coordinators coordinate, and it's pretty much been that way for 14 years prior. So that, that part's the same, and Chris has a little different approach to things, but we're in a developmental stage, kind of like our whole football team. Next, we hear from Minnesota head coach Jerry Kill, who was asked about the consistency on his coaching staff, the longest tenured group in the FBS, and especially the importance of that factor given his recent health issues. Well, I think that, you know, the you know what we, we try to do is that, you know, we have been together a long time, and, and which is, I think, a plus when you're trying to build a program. Uh, and then when something happens, I, I think we, you know, we spend a lot of time together we have over the years. And, uh, you know, we always talk about there's no one person more important than the other. And, and there's certainly guys in our staff very capable of doing, a, doing the job I'm doing. So it's one of those things where, you know, we work together. It's not a dictatorship. We make decisions together. At the end of the day, you know, I've got to make the final one. But, uh, you know, uh, I just think, uh, you know, continuity is good for everything. So uh, that's certainly been a plus for us, uh, not only here, but it's been a plus for us uh, throughout our through my tenures. Kill talks about his Gophers running game and the mentality and physicality that goes with that. Well, we're trying to. I, I mean, I think that's the way we played at, at Northern Illinois, um, you know, and then we come here, and then that's been kind of our nature, uh, you know, through our coaching career to, to be physical and, and take care of the football and run it and, and play action pass, et cetera. Um, you know, we're, that's what we're trying to do, but, uh, you know, uh, we we got to physically continue to get stronger and, and bigger and so forth, and that's what we're trying to do through recruiting. Uh, but we are making some progress on that. You know, we're, we're basically had to replace two recruiting classes um, that uh, didn't have a lot of players in them, and so we've had to do it the walk-on way. And, and uh, you know, we had to get ourselves out of APR problems, et cetera. And we've only been here for two years and have two recruiting classes. So, um, you know, those kids are all young. And, and uh, it takes you a while to develop the strength and the size and all that that you have to have in the trenches to play in the Big Ten. That doesn't happen overnight. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, any coach in the Big Ten will tell you that. And so uh, we're still, you know, we're still working on building our program, finding the depth. Uh, we certainly have more than we had a year ago. 
and we should have because, you know, we've recruited. But uh, it takes time to get the physical people that, that can that can hold up and play because when you recruit a freshman, they're not going to be as strong as a fifth-year senior. And, you know, or, you know it's, it's, it's just different. So, you know, we still got a ways to go, but uh, we're certainly working that way. Coach Kill compares his team to Iowa's run-heavy physical approach on offense. I don't, I don't think there'll be any question it's physical. They, they, they physically – uh, with our bud a year ago, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, if you look at an Iowa team, I think the highest compliment I can give. I think I was at Southern Illinois, and I sent our staff there uh, to to see how they practice because uh, you put their film on. Technically, um, they're as good as anybody in college football at the hand placement, moving their feet. Uh, you know, not making mental errors. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't beat themselves. Uh, and they play physical downhill football. And uh, so, you know, that's really what we'd like to be. And, uh, you know, but they, they certainly, uh, uh, you know, put it on us last year physically. So hopefully, you know, we've done our summer work and, and gotten stronger and better. And Kill was asked if this weekend's battle for Floyd feels a bit like an old-school pound-on-the-ground football game. Well, I, I know I have a great deal of respect for Coach and yeah, you know, I don't know what coach likes, but I, I know that this is the way. Uh, you know, this is this is this is the way the game of the football. You know, is uh, you know, I think uh, two programs have very similar philosophies on what they're trying to do. We may do it a little bit differently, but um, you know, it it certainly will uh, be a uh, an old-fashioned football game, and 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 I, and I like that. I think that's good for. That's good for football, you know. Uh, you know, so uh, we we look forward to challenge. We know we got a big challenge ahead of us. Rudock got a man open in the end zone. That's a touchdown, Damon Powell, the junior out of Snow Community College, who last year led the nation, averaging 30 yards per reception. His first career touchdown for the Iowa Hawkeyes. A great job by Rudock of sitting in the pocket and delivering that ball for a touchdown. Jake. Running this offense with cool efficiency. 29 yards on the touchdown pass. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for the second of our two weekly Reporter's Notebook shows, this one with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks ahead at the Minnesota game and Big Ten conference play. Scott, Floyd's on the line, currently in Iowa City. Iowa won last year in Kinnick, but the Gophers have won two of the last three in Minneapolis. And Minnesota, of course, still leads this all-time series and in games played up there. It's also the Gophers' homecoming. Yeah, it's always interesting. I think this is the first homecoming that Minnesota's had against Iowa since 1974. Usually these two teams, over the last 30-plus years, had met for the at the end of the season, but with the reconfiguration of the Big Ten, adding Nebraska, uh, wanting to get 
get more high-profile matchups in the last weekend, they move these guys up. This is the earliest matchup between these two uh, rivals, and I would say maybe the most intense matchup between the two teams in several years. I think most of that is due to Minnesota feeling pretty good about itself with a 4-0 start and uh, kind of wanted to flex its muscles a little bit. And Iowa's kind of taken the modest approach, which it generally does in these games, which is it's another game, but it's an important game, and I think they respect the, the tradition and the history. But Minnesota is going all out, and it's reflected by their ticket sales. Growing up in the 60s and even into the 70s, I remember this contest every year always being big rivalry for most Iowa fans. That really has kind of changed in recent years. But it does seem like, especially what you just said, looking at some of the media coming out of Minneapolis, especially on the Gophers' end, they're really up for this game. Yeah, I spoke with uh, both Jerry Kill and with uh, uh, one of their offensive linemen, and they are really pumped for this game. Uh, you know, they, you know, there's kind of this little do-si-do all these years between Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, and part of it is just historical, where Minnesota was so good until the last, I don't know, 50 years or so, and Minnesota, you know, up until, you know, the 1967 season, you know, really was the Big Ten power, and in fact, most old school Gopher fans would say Michigan was their main rival, as well as Wisconsin and Iowa just being kind of more local regional, but uh, really, over the last, you know, 45, 50 years, Minnesota has not produced anything, and I think some people claim that coincides with the arrival of the Vikings, that their importance has deteriorated, and, and the other schools, Iowa over the last 30 years, Wisconsin over the last 20 years, has elevated their profile to being uh, upper echelon teams year in and year out in the Big Ten, so uh, but that said, there's too much history for these teams to ignore, no matter who's good and who's bad. Floyd Rosedale, in my opinion, is the greatest traveling trophy in sports for what it signifies, and uh, the history behind it, and uh, there's a lot at stake, and on Saturday, Floyd's at stake, of course, but I think it's something bigger. I think this is a, a step forward in divisional play about how the teams feel about uh, their seasons, and uh, and maybe actually taking a step forward to contention in the in the Legends division. Second straight year, Minnesota comes into this game 4-0. and Kirk, in his media opportunities this week, says, well, that's a much different 4-0 la- than, than their 4-0 last year when they came into the same game. Marv Cook in his show this week says, eh, maybe, maybe not. What's your sense of this Minnesota team this year compared to 2012? Well, they, they do have the same record. I think their resume is slightly weaker this year. Uh, the Syracuse was on their plate last year, and Syracuse did make a bowl game, and they beat them. Uh, this year, they do not have uh, – they had no uh, major conference opponents. I would say last week's team, San Jose State, uh, had maybe the best quarterback that nobody's really heard of, and David Fales. He'll be playing on Sundays at some point. But that said, Minnesota has shown to me uh, just a slight difference in the fact that they are just more physical. And talking to Zach Epping last night, he, he had said that the majority of their offensive linemen now, they're almost all back, are bigger and stronger than last year. And you can tell by the way they drive off the ball, and uh, and their running game certainly shows it. You know, now they're led a little bit more by Mitch Widener, a younger quarterback, a running quarterback, kind of a tight end build in some respects, maybe a Colin Klein type of quarterback. That said, I think they are more physical on both sides of the ball, and they're starting to adopt the philosophy of their head coach, Jerry Kill, which has really been to uh, eliminate dumb mistakes, turnovers, penalties, which uh, always killed the Gophers in the past, play with a lot of physical style, and they've certainly done that. So I think they are a legitimate threat to a lot of teams because they play hard, they play smart, and they play physical. And in the Big Ten, that'll win you some games no matter what you do. Been talking this week about the concept of this game being the immovable object meeting the irresistible force. Iowa has not allowed a single rushing touchdown this year. Minnesota has 16 already. Last week versus San Jose State, 
the Gophers ran 64 times for 353 yards, but they only completed 5 of 12 passes. Something has to give in this game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who can impose their will on the other team. I think that is what ultimately, outside of the intangibles, the things you can't determine, you know, such as turnovers or injuries, I would say that, uh, you know, imposing their will is going to determine the, the winner of this game. Neither team has, has faced a powerhouse running team, so it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt in different situations. Uh, and when you look at Minnesota, they love to run the football, and they've, they've had to replace their quarterback, they've had to replace their starting running back, and they haven't missed a beat. But that said, playing San Jose State, which does not run, which does not have a run type of defense, Western Illinois, an FCS school, New Mexico State, UNLV, that is not anywhere near the same caliber of run defense or any kind of defense is what they'll see in Iowa. Conversely, Iowa has, has played some decent runners. Uh, I would say Jordan Lynch from Northern Illinois, they've defended him well. Iowa State has three very good running backs, so their offensive line was do, didn't do too well. So I would think right now it's, it's kind of a question mark as to who's going to have the upper hand in that matchup, and it could come down to mano y mano, who gets off the ball a little bit lower, a little bit harder on each and every play. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost that simple that if the guard can drive into the defensive tackle and push him just slightly out of the way, that might be a first down, that might end up ultimately being a touchdown. So it's really hard to predict, but I'm very interested in finding out what happens here. Iowa's pass defense has shown some susceptibility to long pass plays. They were better in that respect last Saturday against Western Michigan. Right now, they have the fourth best pass defense in the nation. Minnesota's passing offense right now ranks last in the Big Ten. Does Minnesota have to be more than one-dimensional against Iowa's defense? I believe so. I think Iowa is built to stop the running game in a phone booth. That doesn't mean Minnesota won't run the ball effectively at times, but I don't think they can run at on Iowa at will. So they're going to have to get deep a little bit. And this is the area where I'm concerned for Minnesota's point of view is I don't know that their receivers are good enough or tested enough to, to go head-to-head with guys like B.J. Lowry and even Desmond King. So they, they average 105 yards passing, which is kind of a mixed statistic, which is, hey, if you can run the ball, then why throw it? But they haven't shown that they've been able to throw it and execute it from the, the air at all. And I'm, I'm really wondering if, if they get in those third and seven, third and nine situations, how are they going to adapt? Because Iowa is going to blitz. Iowa is a different uh, fashion to, to before. They've actually got, they, they line up go man to man on the outside. They have a lot of faith in those guys. So uh, it, it, to me, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure I could see Minnesota actually being able to take advantage of Iowa's secondary. I think this, I think that's a win for Iowa right there. Right. And the other thing, picking up on your comment about third downs, the Hawkeyes have been very effective in stopping opponents from making third down conversions. Minnesota looks like they're going to have a starting freshman, redshirt uh, freshman quarterback again, Mitch Leitner. was named Big Ten Freshman Player of the Week. He had 151 rush yards and four TDs versus San Jose State. Kill says the starter's out, Philip Nelson, but reports out of Minneapolis is that he has been practicing the last couple of days. Yeah, it looks like Mitch Leitner's going to get the nod. I think they like this guy. They want him to be successful. They like his build his demeanor. Uh, he's a local guy, all of that. that. But that said, Philip Nelson's a little bit better passing quarterback and if they get find themselves behind or if they are really struggling throwing the ball, it wouldn't surprise me to see a little bit of Philip Nelson say in the second half. But they really do not want to play him unless he's healthy or behind. And, and I right now I look at this as kind of Mitch Leidner. He's going to be the one that's going to, to, to carry the load, <laughs> per se, for the Gophers in this game. Last two Hawkeye trips to Minneapolis, special teams breakdowns or the other flip side of the coin is Minnesota trick plays have uh, spelled doom for Iowa. Yeah, this, I think you look at both of those games and it's really perplexing on how Iowa lost. 
lost. I think that's the thing that, that still comes back. It's not so much any kind of magic at, at TCF Bank Stadium because in 2010, Iowa clearly was the better team. It had no energy at all. It was flat. And just, I think there's a lot of excuses you can make, but there are also reasons, which is the two weeks before that game in 2010, Iowa, was, going into the fourth quarter at Northwestern, was in position to at least tie for the Big Ten title. They were up 10 points, fourth quarter. Dan Purser believes the, the Wildcats back. They win the game. The next week, Iowa loses in excruciating fashion again to Ohio State. And uh, then they go to Gopher Land over Thanksgiving, a team that lost to South Dakota. Didn't even have its coach. And you could see they were flat. It was cold. They didn't care. They were apathetic. They thought they'd already had the game won. And then you look and you say, then you had all kinds of different things going on there. You had, you know, Minnesota deciding to go for broke. Minnesota going for uh, an onside kick and converting it, which uh, Kirk Ferentz said he had he had warned uh, the Gophers about or the against the Gophers earlier in the year. So to me, I, I think it was just all those factors going against them. And then in 2011, Iowa ran the ball at will. Uh, Marcus Cole Coker had 250 yards rushing, yet they just they just weren't able to stop Minnesota. And uh, and then that was another year where Minnesota lost 58 to nothing to Michigan just a week or two before that. So I think Iowa can go there. There's no magic. It's not a tough play. It's not like Ohio Stadium. It's just about what Iowa does, how Iowa prepares and Iowa's thought process. And I think at this point, I've noticed that they are a little bit more focused on their opponent this week as opposed to those previous two years. Last year to this year, night and day in terms of Iowa's offense, the Hawkeyes have now run the most offensive plays in the Big Ten through the first four games. They're running the ball 67% of the time, although to me that statistic's a little misleading because especially last week versus Western Michigan, even though there was a big disparity between run and pass plays, that disparity wasn't reflected in how many passing yards they had versus running yards. The Gophers have a very good rush defense. Do you think Iowa will still try to pound on the ground, or might they be a little more diverse in this game? Well, I think you might see a balanced attack. I mean, if they can run, they're going to run. That's Iowa's forte. They want to be the most physical unit on the field. They want to be able to impose their will, and especially against a team like Minnesota, a high-energy team with a lot of high-caliber athletes, they want to be able to establish the running game, no matter who it's against. That said, I think you're going to see a little bit more balance. I don't know if we're going to see 80 plays like we have been. I think last week it actually dipped a little bit below 80, but you know, they're going to throw on Minnesota, but they do have to be concerned because Minnesota has the league's two best guys right now in tackles for loss and fearing Cochran and Rashidi Hageman and Hageman's a, a guy you're going to see on uh, you know, in the NFL draft in the first night. I mean, he's Optimus Prime. He's 6'6", 300, uh, and an immovable object, very quick. He's got blocked a couple of kicks this year. So uh, that, that's going to present a lot of problems for Iowa, I think, in that interior part of the offensive line. So he may see some adjustments in the way they run the ball. It might be a little bit more misdirection and it may be more a little more outside zone because if you try to attack him head on, it, it's probably not going to work. <laughs> and and uh, I think if, if it's third and one and they, they want a first down, I don't think you go with the, the quick uh, quarterback sneak where he is. I think you'll see them try to run interior away from him as much as possible. Otherwise, that's just banging their head against the wall. How much will having played in the hostile Jack Trice field environment help Iowa going into its first Big Ten road game of the year in Minneapolis? I think it'll help immensely. This is the same type of crowd that you're going to get. You got a Jack 
Trice. I mean, they have a chant in Minnesota. Who hates Iowa? We hate Iowa. And it's a decade old. This isn't just one they just made up. And uh, they hate Iowa. And just like Iowa State does. I mean, this is Iowa's oldest rival. And it's and it's exciting and it's exhilarating, I think, for everybody who's there. And Iowa should embrace it, and they will. And, and with a guy like Jake Rudock, who's shown a lot of poise so far this year, uh, going into another hostile environment, he's already experienced it. He's experienced the bright lights, the Saturday night, the all-day tailgating, the, the, the bad words from <laughs> the opposing fans, and he's going to get it on Saturday. But but that said, it's nothing that they're not used to, and uh, and so I think they're very prepared for that. And if they're not, they're going to get they're going to learn about it very quickly. Another interesting note here is the tenure on the Minnesota coaching staff. It's the most in the nation. They've been with Jerry Kill for a long time. Obviously, a lot of talk this week about how much that has helped the team through Kill's health issues. But the other side of the coin, and I think most people will admit that that was the case here at Iowa. You get staleness when there's a lot of stability, sort of sounds like an oxymoron, on the coaching staff. And I think you've seen Iowa's coaching changes in the assistant positions the last two years really beginning to benefit the Hawkeyes. Talk about that whole issue. You know, I think it's interesting you bring that up. Um, With Iowa, there was some staleness, but I think it was because of their resistance to change. I don't think there was a lot of adaptation to the styles of play on either side of the ball, whereas the the game has changed quite a bit. You know, the zone read and the spread style of offense is is now commonplace. It's not uh, unique like a Northwestern just doing it 10 years ago, and you didn't see Iowa's defense adapt to that very much. It was still, and it still is a run geared to stopping the run first, which you've got to do. However, uh, a lot of times you wouldn't see, you know, either blitzing, you just see him sit back in coverage, and they got caught quite a bit where you'd have a linebacker on a fast wide receiver, and then boom, you know, there's a, you know, you don't get a pass rush that play, and, and there's a touchdown. I think when you see, uh, you know, Minnesota, it's a little bit different because I think they have adapted because they've been around so long together. They've been in different places. They've been in Division Two and Division One AA and Mid Major Division One and now Upper Division Division One. And I think they've they've understood the changes. They you can see it in their offense and the way they prepare and the way they attack is different than what they did in their head Emporia State in, in around 2000 or in Southern Illinois in the middle part of the last decade. So they've been able to and they use athletes a little bit more. Iowa is more of a system. They use athletes and I think they've shown that they are a very good developmental coaching staff. Everywhere they've gone, they've gotten better, and they usually go to rock-bottom places and have elevated the profile of that program, and, and we're starting to see the results of that in Minnesota. It's hard to say if they'll ever get up to the upper echelon, but I think right now we'd say that going to Minnesota it used to be, if Iowa lost, it was because Iowa failed in some respects. Now you're looking at it and saying, you know what, Minnesota's not too bad, and they can beat Iowa, and I think that's all the credit in the world to kill in his, in his coaching staff. Keys to this game, players to watch on both teams, prediction? I think this this game is, is one of your classic football games that's won in the trenches. I think third down conversion is huge here, and that could be anything from third and two of running the football and getting the first down to third and six and converting converting passes. So I think third downs is what we need to watch outside of the usual of turnovers. I think uh, Mark Wiseman is somebody we're going to have to watch, but I think this is a classic game for a tight end on Iowa side of the field. There hasn't been a lot of emphasis on the tight end in the passing game 
game. I look for somebody like Ray Hamilton or C.J. Fedorowicz to come up with some big catches, play-action passes on short-yardage situations. Conversely, I look at Minnesota, and I and I think that Rashidi Hageman can cause a lot of damage. I mean, we saw what David Irving was able to do when he went head-to-head against Jordan Walsh. Rashidi Hageman is way better than David Irving, so I think they're going to have to compensate for him. He create a lot of havoc, especially early on in an intense atmosphere that can really make the environment difficult for Iowa over time. However, one thing Minnesota lacks is, is consistent kicking. They're, they've missed three extra points so far in four games. In this day and age, that's inexcusable. I look for Iowa to take advantage of that, to uh, to pull out a 24-23 win at one of their oldest rivals home ground on Saturday night. Closing out today, what do we know about the Big Ten at this point, especially what appears to be somewhat surprisingly a fairly wide-open Legends division? Oh, man. This this is a million-dollar question right now because you, going into the season, I think most people had a kind of a dividing line between four and four teams uh, at the top with uh, Nebraska, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, and then Iowa and Minnesota kind of at the bottom. However, based on the way the teams have actually played on the field, I think it's a very even playing field. I think whoever wins on Saturday has a chance to compete. Now, does that mean they're going to win it? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go there right now. But, but what I do think is if Iowa pulls out a win on the road, Iowa can go head-to-head against Michigan State. We've seen that even last year and then in past years. These teams are slugging out teams. It's a field goal game one way or the other. And then, you know, or Minnesota, conversely. What I've seen out of Michigan is semi-soft. They're not they're not taking advantage of their guys, of Devin Gardner's athletic ability. Not quite as physical as they want to be. Can Minnesota go and, and overpower uh, Michigan? I think they could. And then you look at Nebraska. They gave it 200 yards rushing to an FCS program. They've been doing that since they arrived in the Big Ten, so I'm not so sure defensively they can hang with a physical-style running team. And then Michigan State just can't pass. They, they can't do anything offensively. They have the best defense in the league, possibly in the country, and they just can't get find the right combination on offense, and it's an offensive game right now. And finally, with Northwestern, they're balanced, but I'm still skeptical a little bit. I just wonder, can they match the physicality week in, week out on defense, be able to, to, to outlast the rest of the team? So I think this division's open. I think it could be two or three teams tied at 6-2 and two or 5-3, and three and somebody sneaking through. It's not quite as top-heavy as the other division, and I think that's what makes this exciting. It's going to be a two-month race, and we may not know until that final weekend in November. Going into the start of this season, I was thinking that the Big Ten schedule at home for Iowa was very disadvantageous because most of the tough teams, the ones you identified other than Nebraska, have to come into Kinnick Stadium. I was thinking, well, Iowa's not going to be favored in any of those games, and probably almost no games after the non-conference schedule. Now, just picking up on what you said, if Iowa comes out of this game Saturday with a win, they then have the ball in their court, so to speak, in terms of their toughest competition inside divisional play, having to come into Kinnick Stadium. Yeah, and uh, and with Iowa, it's interesting because you want to see how can they develop over the course of the year. That's been a trait in Ferentz's in, in his best seasons, where they've started off being sometimes slow developmental, and then by the time they hit their stride, you know, they're a team nobody wants to play. And, and uh, you know, Northwestern at home, Northwestern's been uh, the thorn in their foot for <laughs> so many years now. Now is a chance to Iowa kind of to reverse that, because I think Northwestern's a pretty good team. I think Northwestern, if you look at it right now, would probably be a 7-10 to 10 point favorite, and Iowa City. So um, they've got the chance to do that, be physical. And I think that's what these teams, if whoever can establish their identity first and best, I think I think they've got a real chance of being successful and possibly winning the division. And if Iowa can establish itself as the most physical team in the division, they will be able to go head-to-head with a Michigan State pound the ball, Minnesota, 
Minnesota, be able to take advantage of, of a weaker defense in Nebraska and run the ball well and stop the run. Iowa will be able to compete in these games. Will they be able to win it? Well, that's going to be up to Jake Rudock. I think physicality could keep them in the game, but I think completions on third down and scoring in the red zone is what will separate them from 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, and potentially maybe even get an Indianapolis. I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I see a lot of potential for this team, and I think a lot of it's wrapped up in the passing game. So I think they're physical enough to compete, especially at home against teams, even even teams I think are better than them, which would be Wisconsin and, and uh, Michigan, they're, that their physical style of play will keep them in the game, but it's going to be up to the quarterback to elevate them into victories in those games. Finish! Sir! Do you know what I just saw? No, sir. A gopher! Gopher! Where? Do you know what gophers can do? Ooh, better get rid of those gophers. Is that clear? Oh, aye, sir. Very clear, sir. I'll put my best man on it. I want you to kill every gopher. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye. We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. Danziri. Touchdown. 16-yard touchdown run. And Iowa just keeps pounding, pounding, and pounding. And Kanziri here does a great job of finding the hole, running through there, getting into the end zone. Iowa takes a 59-3 lead, celebrating all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Here on ESPN 8, The Ocho, bringing you the finest in seldom-seen sports from around the globe since 1999. If it's almost a sport, we've got it here. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.